We are Artist Uprising. We have started a movement. Call it a revival for arts and entertainment. Call it a renaissance or united belief. That creativity should be undoubtedly expressed in a way that shapes culture for the better. That artists should have the resources they need to do the work that runs through their veins. And with the gathering of resources, we will one day abolish the phrase, starving artist. Day and night, the movement does not cease, for creativity never sleeps. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Artist Uprising Podcast. I'm your host, Ketch Smith. On today's episode is another one of our top 25 creatives in DFW, Dan Lamb. Dan is an incredibly talented artist. Her work is insanely good, and I'm so glad I got to sit down with her and have a conversation. We talked all about her work, how she got into art, her family history, her family being a family of creatives, going professional, deciding how much her work is worth, and the process of how she makes her art, also known as squishes. If you have not seen any of her work, please go to her Instagram right now and check out her work. It is insane. She is so good at what she does. Dan is such a fun person to be around. She is so nice and genuine, and I loved getting to hear her story. We met up at Common Desk and had a great time, had a great conversation. So thank you so much for listening. Here is my conversation with Dan Lamb. Well, Dan, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, what do you got going on today? today? Is it a crazy day or is it kind of chill? It's just a calm day. Yeah. I'm working in the studio today. Yeah. Working on some pieces for an upcoming show. Do you have your own studio or do you like like your own personal studio? Yeah. So right that's now cool. I have a small studio that's like attached. It's a part of my house. Oh, um, cool. But I'm in the process of getting a new one in West Dallas. So nice. I'm very excited. Yeah. It's being built out and everything right now. That's exciting. So I can't wait. It's been a... It's been a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. What was, did you have like something that was like, okay, this has to be in the studio. Like this one thing. Did you have one like that? Or was it just like, here's what I need? Yeah. Well, it just so happened that, because normally, you know, when you find a studio space, it's, you find one that's already there right. and kind of adjust to it, right. which is fine. It's, that's just how things work. Right. But this one, it's kind of a dream in that, um, the space was, it was just a building and the, the person who owns it, his name is Butch. He okay. does a lot of development in yeah. West Dallas. And he took me to a couple spaces that he thought would make a good studio, and then they're building it out. So I got to wow. kind of like you know, cool. say, like, I need the walls like this. Or yeah. So it's really cool. It's big. It's 1,800 square feet. So that's wow. why it's like, you know, I've been waiting for a really long time for the perfect studio, yeah. and then all of a sudden it like, happened. Yeah. Again, so. so what have you been in? Like, where have you done your work previously? Like. Just so my in a small studio? Yeah, it's been at my house. At your house. Um, like, is it a bedroom or the garage or is it like an add-on or? It's like, the house is weird. It's like a, it's an old house, but okay. they built on like this second half of the house. Okay. And so the second half of the house is, is the studio. Gotcha. So it's like, it's long and it's like maybe, I would say like 800 square feet. Oh, wow. So you're getting a but, lot more room. Yeah, I'm getting a lot more room. It's, it's time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is it cramped like the 800 square feet? Was that like? pretty tight it so it usually generally it works just fine but every time i do a show the work builds up gotcha yeah and and that's when it becomes like really kind of too much for me yeah. but it it's and i do a show every year so then right you know every year a lot every, every year's a, a lot show, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> then it's like oh i need a new studio but um it's worked up until now yeah but i think that now that i'm gonna get this bigger space i'm gonna have more room to just like make bigger work I yeah think it's gonna change that'd be cool work. yeah that's awesome are you from dallas like have you been how long have you been in dallas so i grew up i pretty much grew up in dallas okay um my family immigrated here okay when i was just a baby and we moved to houston um and then my childhood wow. was there and then i kind of did like middle school high school 
here in, in Dallas. Dallas yeah. Where did you go to middle school and high school? Um, middle school was at. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Renner. Okay. Renner middle school, okay. and then um, I went to like Plano West and. Gotcha. Yeah. So <laughs> when did did you go to school? Did you go to like college after high school, or what was what was the what happened after high school? Yeah, so after high school, I went to University of North Texas. Okay. And then um, I went and got my master's in Arizona State. So I moved away for wow. four years. Wow, okay. And then I came back. So when, what did you go to school for? What was your degree? Penny and master's. Okay. When did, like, has that always been a part of, like, your life? Painting and art and all that stuff? Or did you, like, come into it, toward like, in high school or college? Or kind of how did you get into that? Um... I would say that I've always been creative. Okay. Ever since I was a kid, uh, I'm an only child, and I okay. if you know if you've read or listened to any interviews with me, I contribute a lot of that to why I'm creative. I feel like I got I had a lot of time alone. My mom worked. Yeah. And so I had to entertain myself a lot. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just I've always been making things, but as like a career choice, I would say that as I got into high school and took more took it more seriously. Yeah. Um, and then. Once I got to college, it was like career path. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Were your parents creative? What did they, what did they do? My mom is creative. She, she raised me. Um, she's a hairstylist. Okay. So, you know, there's like yeah. her creative outlet thing. Yeah. But growing up, you know, she would like draw my portrait every year when I was a kid. Really? And she had this job when I was like, I don't know, in elementary school where she would take me after work so she could watch me, mm-hmm. um, where it was like this place where they made like baby stuff, but it had like a handful of women who hand embellished all these baby items. Wow. So there was like this room of paint and paintbrushes and then like a little photography studio. And so I would just like hang out and watch yeah. all these ladies paint. Like, you know. Yeah. So I feel like there was a lot of little things that kind of made it. Right. Open my eyes to, yeah. you know, yeah. that world. That's really cool. When did like, so when in high school um, and then going into college, did you think like, oh, I can do this as a career or was it, or was there something in you that was like, maybe I need like a backup plan just in case this doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. So when I got to, when I got to college, I, the compromise with my mom, cause she definitely didn't want me to really go into the arts like, yeah. like the way I did, um, <laughs> was to do graphic design. Okay. And so it was very different for me and it was really difficult. It, graphic design did not match up with how I expressed myself. Yeah. And so I tried it for a year, a year and a half and it was really, really difficult. Um, and I, I, I had to, I had to change. I was very unhappy. And so, um, that was the backup plan was that like, gotcha. you could be creative, you can follow your, you know, the arts and mm-hmm. stuff, but it has to be in something that's a little more structured, like, like graphic design. Yeah. And um, once I made the decision that it wasn't right for me, that was there was like this really big fight, and we we had yeah you know, there was tension. Um, but I just I had the encouragement of a lot of my professors who were telling me like you should not be doing graphic design, you should be doing studio art. Yeah. And once I made the switch, I was definitely much happier, and I just like I just went with it. So yeah. the backup plan then was actually to get my master's, so then I could teach at the college level. Okay. And that's why I went ahead and 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 got that. Just degree. did it, yeah. Um, but then after I graduated, you know, things kind of just took off. So I didn't. And then you moved back to Dallas after Arizona State or what was, what happened then? After Dallas, I moved back to Texas. I moved to Midland. Okay. um, Okay. For a year. 
I my boyfriend was there and he was working for his dad's company and so it was just kind of like this year of like transition mm-hmm. and um, we I was I, I took it kind of like because Midland I don't for those listening if you don't know about Midland um, it's this small ish town in the middle of Texas so it's relatively big there's a lot of people there yeah. but there's nothing around so it's very like just I don't know culturally yeah. dry yeah and it's an oil town so there's just not a lot going on in terms of like arts and stuff so i took it as like this uh, this opportunity to like focus on work post-grad school and kind of like self-impose like a residency on myself okay and that's really when i got into instagram and started posting and sharing because i i lacked the the community that i had previously right and so instagram seemed like this great way to meet other artists and like connect with other people at least digitally mm. Um, and I also taught like a couple classes at the community college. So I got a taste of what that would be like, you know, um, and yeah. And then after that year we moved back here to Dallas. Gotcha. Did you enjoy teaching? Like, is that still something that you would want to do? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it in terms of like, I was teaching this art appreciation class. So it was, um, you know, like a survey of art history, I guess, very lightly, uh, for all kinds of students. So not necessarily just art students. And I liked it because I had to kind of take everything I learned and then, like, be able to re-explain it. And that helped me learn right. it even better. Right, yeah. You know, yeah. being able to explain it to somebody. Right. Um, and, it, and I think it helped. I mean, it helped with public speaking for me, for yeah. sure. Like, I, yeah. was, I had to get comfortable with like, right. kids who were bored <laughs> with the subject and just try right. to, you know. Um, so it taught, it taught me quite a few things, and I definitely would like to revisit teaching later on, yeah. especially after I have more to teach. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. So you move, you move back to Dallas, mm-hmm. and what, what happens then? What's your plan there? So I moved back to Dallas, and it's a little scary because I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do. Um, originally, I was going to try and grab a few, like, classes at UNT. I, I, okay. know, I, I knew the professor still from there. And um, I was like, you know, maybe I'll just like do like kind of part time and try to make like right. the art thing work. And I had like a weird job for a couple months of like this after school program for kids, like and building like doing Legos. So they learn engineering skills. And it seemed cool. But I don't like I don't like Working with children, I think. <laughs> so um, I learned that. Yeah. But after I quit that, um, I had, uh, you know, I was a little stressed and I was like, what am I going to do? But I had this group show um, in California. So it was like my first group show. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll go, I'll do this group show and then I'll figure it out after I get back. So I do the group show and then I sell a lot of the work. And I'm like, well, maybe this is covers yeah. my next couple of months. Like I don't, I don't need to, I'll, I'll take my time. Yeah. So it just kept going like that. And then event, and then, I, and then it just, like I didn't need to it kept going like that yeah I just didn't need to get another job so (laughs) that's so crazy yeah is that is that the moment you were like okay this is it this I'm gonna do like kind of like a breakthrough almost like no I I can do this and this is gonna this is gonna work yeah I mean it was it's you know I think I mean it definitely wasn't as secure as like knowing that a a paycheck was coming every month and it wasn't also wasn't as big of a jump as someone who like has a full-time job and then quits that and goes into full-time art that's right you know that's really scary um it would kind of it it did it it like gave me hope I was like you know this this is doable and I saw like the numbers and how it could work out at like a bare minimum and so I guess yeah it just yeah it wasn't like a like a like an epiphany necessarily but it definitely was like oh yeah like little like, baby steps yeah like, okay, yeah okay. <laughs> and when was this like how long ago was this this was um 
I would say like spring 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not that long ago. Is that when you technically were like started doing this full time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what was that like? What were you making then? Is it similar to what you're making now or was it like, or what, how has your art changed over, over the, the three years or four um, years now, I guess, almost four years? It's, uh, I mean, you know, they, I would say that the, those pieces I was making were the very beginnings of what you see now. Okay. You know, like. And what would you call what you make now? I mean, I have names for them. Okay. The, um, <laughs> so the, my most known sculptures are called drips. Okay. And then I have squishes, which are like my freestanding, like full sculptures. And then I have blobs, which are my wall pieces. They're so cool. <laughs> They're so cool. Thanks. So you've always kind of been making something similar to what you're making now. Um, since that time, I mean, my work has changed quite a bit. Okay. Like in grad school, the work definitely was different. And I feel like that year in Midland was very crucial to developing what I have now. Gotcha. Um, but you know, I, I, the more I continue into what I make and evolve the work, it so often I look back and I'm like, oh, these were like studies for this new thing. So, you know, it's hard to say that like what, where I'm at now. I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like they've always been changing, but I also feel like if you look at all my work from like the past 10 years, you can definitely see like yeah. this language that I've been building. Um, and now with this new studio and like the last, last year I had a couple big projects, you know, where literally big, like they, they're the scale of yeah. the work is getting larger. Yeah. And so who knows, like, you know, two years from now, five years from now, right. what is, what should we making? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, how, how do you do it? Like, how do you make, the drips and the squishes and like what goes into all of that and like what is it made of so the sculptures are primarily made from polyurethane foam so i have i'm okay. very interested in like um non-traditional materials and i like to that's kind of why it's weird i have like a painting and drawing like two painting and drawing degrees because like they they inform a lot of what i do but I'm I'm I've left the canvas. I'm not 2D anymore. You yeah. know, I'm very much about like non-traditional media in in three-dimensional form. So that is like kind of what gears how I choose my materials and stuff. I'm so into process and material. Yeah. So um, yeah, the sculptures are usually par- uh, polyurethane foam, which is this two-part liquid you mix together and it expands. So there's this element of like chance and play and experimentation always. And there's like, you know, the outside factors. If it's really humid outside, it's going to do some things to the materials. Right. If it's really, really warm, if it's cold, you know, there's all these things that go into it. Um, but yeah, the the sculptures, I've developed too over time. Like I've gotten better with the material. So I know how to make them stronger. I know how to make them do certain things. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, they usually start off with like, um, the foam and then I do like layers of resin layers of paint um, I add texture color um, it's it's kind of like a weird process yeah. there's just a lot of layering involved yeah a lot of materials yeah. a lot of layering so do you just make whatever you feel like you want to make or does someone come to you and like hey Dan I want this can you make this or is it both or um, how does it work so I think I mean, generally, I make what I want to make. Okay. But, um, you know, I do get commissions, and I do accept them on occasion. And I think most of the time, the, the thing about what I do is because it's so unique. Yeah. That people, when they come to me, generally, they know that, like, 
it's it's going to be unique like right. that. So they're not looking for like, you know, can you make it look like my dog or like whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, usually it's like, oh, I saw you made this one piece this one time. These colors are great. Or, oh, I have my, you know, my living room is, you know, these colors. Right. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but generally I have a lot of artistic freedom when it comes to, yeah. you know, if someone commissions something. Yeah. And how long, I guess it, de- I, it depends on like the size of the project, but like how long does it normally take you to make something? Um, it really depends. Okay. I work on multiple pieces at a time because the process is what it is. You know, there's a lot of, um, like cure time and dry time for the materials. Right. So I have to work on multiple things. So you can't really do it like all in one day. Yeah. I guess you can like if it's one, I don't know, but like, yeah, you got to kind of give it time to rest. Exactly. And gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I would say like a, like a regular size piece. I don't know, like two, two feet maybe yeah. kind of size piece would take like a week. Of, wow. of with time in between and stuff. If yeah. I consolidated everything, probably like a couple days. Yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, when did you like? How did you decide how you charge? Like, and how much you charge? You don't have to like tell us how much you make, but like, how did you? Because I feel like that's a, one of the hard parts of it is like, okay, I want to like, I want to do this for a living. I need to make money. Mm-hmm. How much do I charge? How much is too much? How much mm-hmm. is not enough? How much is like, this is what I'm worth, you know? And yeah. so how did you like decide this is my asking price or, you know, whatever, this is how much I charge? So that's, a, it's so hard. That's such a difficult, yeah. like I, I'm so glad I'm past that point because it was, <laughs> it's so difficult. Yeah. But, you know, and the thing is you still encounter it the more, the more you go, like these larger projects I've done, like, you know, then there's these new numbers right, and they're yeah. bigger numbers. And right. You're like, oh my God, what do I charge? <laughs> yeah. But, um. The, when I first started, I, because I, I make a lot of work, I make stuff all the time. Yeah. So I have a lot of work. And I think that's something that's like difficult for me because, or that was difficult for me at the time was because it's like, well, I have so much work. Do I charge less because I want to move right. these right. and make new stuff or, you know, like, like, how do I do this? So, and then, you know, there's all the traditional ways of like, I spent this many hours on it, which is also, like, it's weird. That's right. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so, and then like, I don't like think of the cost of my materials. I don't break things down. In oh, that right. Way. I feel like that's a little too, like, too, I don't know, not scientific, but you know, too numbery for yeah. me. But, um, <clears throat> so anyway, when I first started, I kind of just chose some numbers with the help of like, like, a. The first show I did, I asked the gallerists like what they thought, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Well, try it at these these numbers and see how it goes." So I tried <clears throat> the first show I did. I tried like a certain set of numbers, you know, for for the amount of sculptures yeah. I had there. And then he told me like, if if majority of these sell out, that's when you know your prices need to go up. And I thought, okay, that makes sense, right? Like if you sell something enough of it, right, right and it keeps you keep selling it at that right. price point maybe like yeah go up a little bit so that's what i did um i sold a bunch of them and then i was like okay i'll increase them a little bit so yeah. I increase them all by like maybe like a couple hundred you know and then like continue doing that right and then i reached a kind of like a price point where i'm at now where um i feel like then then like new new objectives or new priorities kind of um become forefront so like for me I, a lot of people like my work and I still want to be approachable to a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to like be available only to the elite few right. who can afford it. And I think that especially now, like because, you know, people are real people really I think look at collecting art as more of a possibility now. 
right. you know? Like, yeah. Whereas I yeah. feel like when I was in school or like as a kid, I'm like, oh, only the really, really rich people have right. art. Right. And I like the idea of like someone who likes my work and they want it and they're, you know, whatever, whatever they make, they can save up and like buy it. I, right. I really like that. And so I try to keep my prices, um, you know, I mean, I don't, definitely don't want to undersell myself. Right. But I also want it to be approachable for yeah. people. So yeah. I'm at like a happy place right now when it comes to like the scale of my work plus the prices that I have them at. Um, and then I, you know, I do some of these larger projects. And so it all kind of like just balances yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw inspiration from? Like when you're working on a project, is there music playing? Like is there a podcast or, you know, whatever, like what inspires you? Where do you draw inspiration from? And like when you're creating something, what does that creative process look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so what inspires me? I, a lot of times, like I, like, uh, before we started, I mentioned I was on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like recharging is very much, uh, like going outdoors and going yeah. to see like, naturey stuff so it's like in observation and in like doing those kinds of trips and taking in that information Mm -hmm. um is usually how i like develop things for the studio so i go and i have fun and i look at things and i just observe things and i come back into the studio like i'm thinking about all those things that i saw and i kind of you know like translate it in a way filter it through yeah um uh as far as like listening to stuff i I don't, I actually listen to a lot of TV shows. Really? Yeah. Um, I just discovered this thing on Netflix that they do. It's called Audio Description. Okay. And so basically, like, you can, it's I, it's sort of like closed captioning, but it's for listening. So if you can't watch the show, you can set on Audio Description, and someone is there narrating the scenes in between people talking. So you'll have, like, dialogue, and then someone will be like, and then she did this, and then yeah. so it's almost like an audiobook. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's been my most recent, like, <laughs> thing. So that's kind of on in the background when you're working on stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. That's great. Um, what what artists like here in Dallas like do you do you, do you love? You're inspired by. You love their work. You love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel Daw, he's super cool. Okay. He makes these um, large rainbow uh, string okay. thread installations. I think he has one at the Amon Carter. I think it's still up. Um, love his work. I love you know that he does installation. And yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's like ethereal and. You know, he's, he goes all over the world and does these installations, and um, I think that's super cool. Yeah. Um, let me think. I mean, you know, I feel like just the community, like the way Dallas artists are, you know, like yeah. we all, we're all kind of like, we're chill. Yeah. It's, like, it's not competitive right. in that way, and um, everyone seems really supportive of one another, so I feel like it's just like a good energy. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. I also really like uh, Sergio Garcia's work. Okay. Um. Yeah, I can't think of it yeah. anymore off the top of my head. That's awesome. No, that's yeah. great. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people find you and your work? Do you have a website on Instagram? Yeah, so um, my website is bydanlam.com. My Instagram is at sopopomo. Okay. Um, yeah, and you can find me on those two. Sweet, yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this and sharing your story and talking to us. Of course, thank you. We are the artists that make our cities one of a kind. We are the artists behind all the beauty, even in your home. From the architecture that defines the place where you rest to the space in between lined with fine art, handcrafted furniture, and vintage finds, there was an artist who gave you a priceless gift, a piece of themselves.
It is our mission to abolish the term starving artistry. This podcast is about interviewing those who have paved the way with their successes in the arts and entertainment industry. Tune in as they give other emerging artist listeners tips to success, as well as advice in the midst of a tipping point. This podcast series will also be a platform to discover together new emerging talent from all over the world. Stay tuned and explore the next Artist Uprising. Use hashtag Artist Uprising to join the movement.